Lord, I just want to thank you that your design is such that we are spiritually healthy when we learn to experience and enjoy God. <laughs> what a beautiful reality. We are spiritually healthy when we experience and enjoy God. I thank you, Lord, that your plan is that we would learn to experience and enjoy God every moment of every day throughout the course of every week, of every month, of every year of our lives. And one day, stepping into a place of eternity where we will experience and enjoy God for all eternity. And in that place, so much is unlocked within us. So we just invite you, Lord, help us to have an awareness of what you are up to. And we today have a deeper reality, a greater reality of the presence of God than perhaps uh, any time we've ever known you before. We would start to walk in that. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. We know that our commission as a church family is that we are to bring God's presence to real life in every realm of society, on every level of community. When two of us are sitting and having a conversation, we bring God's presence to real life on that level of community. In a room like this, where there are many of us, we bring God's presence to real life in this level of community. When we are working in politics or business or the medical field or educational field, every realm of society, we bring God's presence to real life. So it's important that we purpose to experience and enjoy His presence as a way of life so that us will see just the authenticity of God and the way He desires to reach into each and every one of us. So today, Lord, I pray uh, you would dismantle what needs to be dismantled. I believe that there are some things within us that you want to dismantle because you're rebuilding what you're desiring to rebuild. So dismantle and rebuild according to your desire, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Easy just to pray that prayer and kind of transition on and everybody take a seat. But let me ask you a question. Are you willing to allow God to dismantle something in your life that He feels like needs to be, that He knows needs to be dismantled that might be really personal for you? Are you willing to allow Him in, like on the deepest place? <laughs> because I believe that's where the Lord wants to go. I'm just telling you, I, um, I, I really had toyed with and talked about just taking today, you know, birthday, take the day off and not, not be here, not preach. And I felt like the Lord said that he wanted me to do it because the message I'm to bring is actually a message for me as much as it is anybody. And I know that he wants to dismantle some things, reach into the deepest crevices of all of our lives, and then begin to do a rebuilding work. So um, today's a little bit of surgery. I think for probably many of us in the room, and it's a great, uh, great morning just to allow the Lord to have his way. Amen? Are you ready? And I'm ready, so let's go for it. Take your seat.
Glad you're online with us, those that are online. Thanks for being on campus, those of you who are in the house. I think people are starting to uh, step more into the in-the-house mindset in the day in which we are living. And we're still just asking the Lord for wisdom about how to have his mind and what this is really all supposed to be, all supposed to look like. And today is a pretty significant um, perspective for us to recognize all that God's desiring to entrust to our care. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm going to take a little different approach to this than I did the previous service. Uh, I'm not so much wanting to, to preach as I am, just wanting to cooperate with just some ideas that I know the Lord's really wanting to, to download. So bear with me as we um, just lean into him today. Can't go wrong when you learn just to lean into Jesus. And so um, the, the idea that we're, we're talking about, you know, in this particular month is the idea of really understanding of fear of the Lord. And I, I'm not sure I've really done this revelation justice, to be honest with you. I was thinking about it yesterday and just reflecting on it. And uh, I'm really asking the Lord to, to help each of us understand what he's desiring for us to possess in this important topic, um, just not something a lot of people are talking about. A church that I spoke in last week, um, actually after I spoke, the pastor got up and announced that he's about to start speaking on the fear of the Lord. And I thought, well, that's interesting. You know, just you don't hear that very often. I was in another time zone last week, so I got to tune in and see a little bit of the, um, the youth takeover service. And I just want to say we're a church that believes in inspiring and empowering the next generation church. And I want to say to the youth, man, thanks for the courage to step up and carry what you carry on this journey of growing in your relationship with the Lord. Come on, why don't we just give it up for the next generation church that God's raising up in our midst. It was great just to watch them step into that element. Um, I, I know as we talk about this today, we're going to kind of conclude and, and shift into understanding how the fear of the Lord unlocks the treasure of the Lord. In fact, the key scripture we've been looking at is Isaiah 33, 6, and it says, he will be the sure foundation for your times. I mean, you know, there are times of great uncertainty right now that we live in. He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. So the fear of the Lord is a important key that we begin to understand, explore, and the Lord's going to help us with this. Um, I, I want to just challenge you today. I'm going to talk a little bit about the lesser fears of life, the unhealthy fears that we can contend with. Uh, I've learned in my life that as a young man before, you know, now as A.T. put it, like I'm just about out to pastor, like trying to decide whether I'm going to have Velcro shoes. That was, a, that was a low blow, and I will get him back. I want you to know we will pay him back. I mean, a guy turns 40 years old, and then everybody starts, you know, putting him out to pasture. Just crazy. Young guy that I am. Um, but in this journey, when I was much younger, just starting, I mean, I've been here for 30 years now, uh, serving the, the ministries here. And I remember meeting some people that were audaciously uh, bold. 
Like, really, you know, you didn't mess with this person. You know anybody like that? You, you, you tamper into their zone, and man, they will, they'll give you like a relational reaction, and they're really, you know, gutsy and bold. And, and what I've learned over the course of time, uh, I, I just think of some of the, the, well, I won't get too personal, but some of the people I've met over the course of time, early years ago, that nobody would know anybody here, um, the, many times the ones that were just so loud and, and, you know, scary even. In fact, that's probably a good word for it. They were scary. Anybody know someone like this? You work with them and you just like, man, do not go over there. Don't ever cross them. Don't ever do anything that might stir that up. What I have found is those people actually tend to be more insecure than people who are powerful enough to be vulnerable in life. And it's their own insecurity that would cause them to act uh, powerful in an effort to actually manipulate the people around them because they're not willing to be vulnerable themselves and, and maybe talk about an area that's a weakness. So they, they cover that up and protect that by, you know, being a certain way. How many of you know there's some stuff going on deep within us that none of us really can understand? God knows what it is that produces the reactions that exist within you. And that's where I feel like the Lord's wanting to dismantle some things to help us pull back some layers and recognize some mechanisms, some wiring that exists within us. And we need to understand this idea of fear, this idea of lesser fear, this idea of unhealthy fear can be so deeply rooted and so uh, at work within our lives that God's got to reach through those layers to help us see it. So let's, let's first understand just a little bit of the idea of your time your energy and your money are in many instances appropriated according to the fears that are alive in your life. The resources of your life are expressed in many ways according to the fears that are in your life. For instance, the fear of being rejected. Anyone ever had the fear of being rejected before? The fear of being rejected can cause you to spend a lot of time, energy, and money trying to be in the in crowd. You start buying things you don't really need. You might give yourself to all kinds of uh, fashion because there are people that you want to be in the in crowd with, and they wear a certain name brand clothing. You understand what I'm saying? The fear of rejection can actually drive you to appropriate the resource of your life. The fear of being alone can drive you to appropriate the resource of your life. You begin to compromise your morals so that you can be involved in that relationship, spend all kinds of money on dating apps and online dating. And I mean, all elements that, that can drive you in this fear of being alone is really what's unlocking a lot of the release of that resource in your life. And the Lord wants to address some of those things deep within us. So today's title that I'm focusing on is who we fear will determine how we live. And it's true. Who we fear will determine how we live. And fearing the Lord unlocks the key of the treasure of the kingdom in your life. When you give yourself to unhealthy and lesser fears, that's when things start to get pretty problematic. So recognize this. Um, who you fear determines how you live, and how you live determines, determines the legacy you leave to the generations that are coming after us. Who we fear determines how we live. And how we live determines the legacy that we leave. If, uh, if I am in constant state of fear of man, I, I mean, I just have to tell you, I, 
we've, we now work with so many pastors and talk to so many pastors and, and, and try to navigate through so many different things that so many pastors and their families contend with. And if the pastor lives in a state of the fear of man, then the kids grow up in such a dysfunctional mindset. They are under all kinds of pressure about how they must behave and what they have to do and can't do. And it's largely born because their parents live in the fear of man. What will the congregation think? I, I just I want to say from the very beginning, we've made this point. Our kids are not going to be perfect, and your kids are not going to be perfect, and we're just going to love each other through it anyway that we need to, to love each other through it. We're not going to get into those kind of games. Can I get anybody in the room in to say an amen? All right, your kids are not going to be demanded by people around here to live a certain way. What you know, I figured out two-year-olds actually act like two-year-olds, and it's okay for a kid to be a kid. And then we call people to a higher level as they grow into a greater place of maturity and they learn what it is to stop fearing all their peers so much and begin to fear the Lord their God and that causes them to have a sense of certainty that holds them on course, that keeps them from wavering in a lot of directions. And this is vitally important for us to understand and recognize today because the question I have to ask is what kind of fear do you believe is in operation in your life causing you at times to waffle or waver? What kind of fear exists within you? Have you ever known uh, somebody and when they get with one group of people, they're a certain way, and then they get with another group of people and they're another way? The Bible actually addresses this in a lot of different ways, but you've got uh, Paul speaking in Scripture of uh, uh, there's a mandate to invite the Gentiles in, but one of his associates, when the Jews would come around, he was with the Gentiles one way saying, yeah, God's here, Jesus came, we're all part of the family of Abraham, and then the Jews would show up and he'd be like, yeah, well, let's back off a little bit, it's really good that we be circumcised, and these laws are really good, and, and Paul said, we're not going to put up with that, we're not going to have that, the fear of the Lord will be our strong confidence, and we'll be who we are because of who he is, and that's the way it's got to be. And I believe God wants to establish that within us. And I think I mentioned to you, I'm speaking right now. Uh, I felt the Lord was saying that this was to be a message that I was to bring for me. And I know the Lord's wanting to do some dismantling and position me to stand with greater confidence before the Lord, no matter what audience I may ever be in, no matter what person I may ever stand for, stand before or in front of, no matter what conversation I may ever be interacting with, I know that the presence of the Lord must be the prevailing factor that defines and substantiates who God has called me to be. How about you? There's a sense of confidence that's born from what I'm talking to you about. Proverbs 14, 26 says, In the fear of the Lord, one has a strong confidence. In the fear of the Lord, one has a strong confidence. Will you say that with me? Let's, let's, let's first person it, all right? Let's say I have. In the fear of the Lord, I have a strong confidence. Let's do it again. In the fear of the Lord, I have a strong confidence. Now, we've defined the fear of the Lord, and we've looked at this. The fear of the Lord is the awe-filled awakening of the human heart to the overwhelming majesty of our Creator God. It's a beautiful phrase. It's a great statement. It's good for us to rehearse. The fear of the Lord is the awe-filled awakening of the human heart to the overwhelming majesty of our Creator God. In short, God rocks more than anybody else. That's what that's saying. I'm overwhelmed by just how much He rocks. 
I'm overwhelmed by just how good he is. I am overwhelmed by the strength of God, by the glory of God, by the presence of God. My heart is overwhelmed by that. And when I start being underwhelmed by God, I start being overwhelmed by man. Whenever my boss tells me that I need to make a decision that actually will produce a sense and expression of compromise, and I'm willing to consider that, it's because I'm being more overwhelmed by a person than I am my God, and I refuse to make decisions that will violate the morality and the character and the holiness of God in my everyday life. I said I wasn't going to preach. I'm starting to get preachy. But I'm just going to try to cooperate with what I'm sensing the Lord's desiring for us to embrace on this day. So I, I shared you know, a few weeks ago about the train illustration, if you remember, and it was the greater fear and the lesser fear, and, and, and you and your crazy buddies walking across the bridge, and, and you know, it's, a, it's a railroad, and you get halfway across, and your crazy buddy decides to jump in the water, and you're looking down at that 30, 40-foot drop, and you're thinking to yourself, man, my crazy buddy, I'm not jumping in there. And they say, come on in. You're like, no, I'm afraid to jump that far. And then around the corner comes the train, and you realize that you can't run to the end of the bridge before the train's going to get to you and hit you, and you just automatically do what? You just jump in the water. Nobody had to pray for you. Uh, the greater fear just had its work, and the lesser fear then was removed in your life. And the greater fear is the fear of the Lord. And when the fear of the Lord begins to have its work, the lesser fear, the fear of man, will actually be removed from your life. You want to have a sense of confidence? You don't have to pretend to be bold. You don't have to act bold. There's nothing about acting. You simply fear the Lord when you stand in that posture of confidence. I don't have to act bold. I'm simply walking in submission. So John chapter 12 says uh, this whole waffling idea is revealed in Scripture. Nevertheless, many of the leaders believed in him, believed in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, some would not confess him. They did not confess him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise from God. So I want to just address with you a really unique idea. And it is what God knows about you speaks of your character. What man knows about you speaks of your reputation. And the reality is reputation in many ways is the shadow of character. But if what God knows about you and what man knows about you are very far apart, then you've deviated from your identity in the character that God desires for you to possess. Now, you don't have to pretend, you simply have to respond to who he is. Now, now I want to break this down in a way that is, is kind of an unusual way, but if you ask any rabbi what the number one confession of Scripture is, anybody know? Every rabbi would know this and say this quickly and immediately. Anybody know? The number one confession of Scripture the Lord our God is one God. Any rabbi you ever asked, there are a lot of reasons for this, I won't go into all of that, but any rabbi that you would ask would say, what's the number one confession of Scripture? They would say, the Lord our God is one God. And this is really important that we understand why this would be the most important declaration of Scripture. And the reality is this speaks of the character of God. This speaks of the character of God. The Lord our God is 
one God. The Lord our God is one God. When I see Michael King, I'm looking at Michael King sitting here on the second row. Michael King is one guy. He's one guy. One guy created in the image of one God. Now, I know that sounds simple, but when insecurity starts to creep into our hearts, it's not as simple as it might seem. Now, track me on this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, God made man in his image, and then he said, let man rule and have dominion. God made man in his image. The Lord our God is one God. So we're created in the image of God, one God. And then, once he created us in his image, one God, then he said, this is when you can rule and have dominion. You're in the image, and now you can have rule and dominion. In the image of God, you're then positioned to be able to step out and experience more of what I have in store for you. In God's image, you are one. If I know there's only one of you, I can trust you. The Lord our God is one. We're created in the image of one God. And I hope you believe that you see me and see one guy created in the image of one God and that when I leave here, I'm not a second guy and I'm with another group, I'm a third guy. And you're wondering which guy you're going to get depending on which group the person is around. The Lord our God is one God. And when we begin to embrace the essence of the character of God, we become one guy, one girl, one person. I don't care who I'm standing in front of. I'm one person. I'm not going to change for you. I'm not going to change for anybody else because my audience is him. He's the Lord, my God. He's one God. Therefore, I'll be one guy. The essence of character exists in what I'm saying. I, I found it interesting. I was, um, when I went to college, I was not a Christian you know, in those early years of life and, and in college, I, I had a friend and they said, hey, we got this production that we're doing at the college and we need some actors. Uh, would you come and, and audition? Would you come and try out? I mean, I'd never taken any acting classes or theater or drama even, you know, in school. Uh, but I thought, well, it sounds kind of fun. And, uh, you know, I was out there anyway where I was in life. And so I went and tried out. And, um, and you know, they were going to, like, have me a filler part, right? You're, you're brand new. You really don't act. And so I was going to be one of the guys kind of in the back carrying stuff and walking. You know, in the crowd, when the crowd walks with the main actors, I would be kind of in their posse type of thing. And, and I'd be part of the crew. And, and, and I, I guess my audition surprised the guy. Uh, so much that he said, I want you to be a main part. I was one of the three main characters in The Man of La Mancha in a college-level play, and I'd never done this before. They, they said, you are now Pedro. And I was Pedro. Oh, man, I immediately started kind of speaking like I was, my name was Pedro. I, I mean, I immediately started getting into character. And, and I, at home, I would practice my lines and, and, and you know, I would, I mean, I was, I was excited about this opportunity. I mean, I'd never thought about it. But the reality was I was a great actor because I was a different person in different crowds of people all the time in my life. I had a true, full-on identity crisis because I never discovered who I was in Christ. I didn't know who I was. 
And when this group would come up, I could act like one person. And when that group would come up, I could act like another person. And when this group would come up, I could act like another person. And I'm talking to some people in this room, some people perhaps online, and you've been acting like more than one person for far too long, and God wants to resolve the identity crisis that's existing in your life. And so all of a sudden, I'm Pedro. Got my lines down. I'm in there, and we're doing this play. And while I'm doing the play, like... <laughs> Somebody would mess up, and I was the worst because I'm a goofball. And, and when they would mess up, then I would jab, and you know, we'd all start laughing. And they would say these important words, Lawrence, stop breaking. Hmm. Lawrence, we need you to be one person without being another right now. Stay true to character. Stay in character. I, I thought about that word. I thought about how this walks, about how it applies in all of our lives. And then I thought of another way we use the word character, alphanumeric characters. And I thought about if we write a casual note to a friend or a formal letter to the governor. And that note or that note to the friend or that letter to the governor is before them. It doesn't matter if it's a casual friend that we're friends with for years or, or somebody more formal. Those alphanumeric characters are always the same. They don't change according to the person that they are in front of. They always stay the same. Character. The Lord our God is one God. We're created in the image of God. And when we settle our identity, having been created in Him, the fear of the Lord produces a strong confidence. It does not matter who comes our way. It does not matter what dignitary shows up in your life. It does not matter if that man you hope likes you, that girl you hope likes you. It does not matter what's taking place in terms of the atmosphere and context of your life because you have a strong confidence in the Lord your God. Once you resolve that issue, then dominion can be released. You, you saw it. God said, let's make man in our image, and then he can rule and have dominion. So let's just say, I'll, I'll just keep picking on Michael. Let's just say, all of a sudden, Michael is sitting here and I say, Michael, I want you to stand up and prophesy. And he stands up and he turns around and he looks at Katie. He says, Katie, the Lord said to me that you went to the mailbox yesterday and you opened up an envelope and in that envelope was this. And Katie goes like this, how did you know that? And the Lord has revealed that to Michael. And then Michael looks over to this side of the room and that side of the room, and he starts literally telling everybody in the room all these secrets about what God had been doing. And then he goes over and he says, uh, you know, find somebody on this side of the crowd. And, and Michael says, the Lord says that you've got uh, an injury to your hip, and it happens to be somebody with crutches. Uh, there you go. He's back there with the crutches. He says, you have an injury. And he, he suddenly says, I am, uh, I'm going to pray, and you're going to be healed. Lays hands and all of a sudden there's a snap, a crackle, a pop, and suddenly his body comes into alignment, gets up. There's a dance going on and a celebration taking place. How many you know God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all we can ask or imagine? He's able to do this. 
And so why isn't God doing this right now? And maybe it's not because Michael is waiting on God or because we are waiting on God. Maybe it's because God is waiting on us. Because what would happen in Michael's life if all this began to happen? And then next week, I just said, well, Michael, obviously, you are blessed by God. I want you just to come and speak, pray for people. What would happen if Michael got up and he began to preach and everybody he prayed for started to get healed? Do you think everybody in Oklahoma City would suddenly start to know the name of Michael King? Do you think they might start finding him on Instagram, on Facebook? Do you think that they might start hailing his name and talking about him in the community and all of a sudden expanding beyond that. What would happen if God did this through Michael King? The question I'm asking is not what would happen, but what would happen in Michael King if God did this in Michael King? What would happen in you if all of a sudden God's dominion and authority erupted in your life in such a way that you got all kinds of notoriety and attention? What would happen to you? You know, money doesn't change people. I've heard people say, man, money changes me. You get money, money changes you. Money doesn't change you. Money reveals you. You were who you were before you ever got that increase in your life, and that money just revealed what existed in your heart that never got dealt with on a lower level of life. In other words, God's not going to give you a bunch of something that's going to destroy your life because you do not have the character to be one person no matter how much you have, one person no matter how little you have, one person no matter how many people know you, one person no matter how few people know you. God is looking for someone that will rise up and understand the very character of God being established in their life so he can release dominion and authority over you in Jesus' mighty name. This is what positions you to be trusted with what God desires to do in you and in the world around you. I don't think God's waiting on, uh, I don't think we're waiting on God. I really think God's waiting on us. There's a dismantling God's bringing about. I just want us to press into that a little bit. I'm going to ask the worship team just to come on up. There's a dismantling. There are issues and areas of insecurity that exist within our lives that cause us to have wild reactions. I just started prophesying over people in the first service and uh, Chrissy was standing back here and I started sharing this story of her and then I began to give her a prophetic word and she said, don't make me cry before I (laughs) am asked to leave worship anymore. She's joking, but not. (laughs) I'm going to give her a big, big tearful prophecy in a moment. What what I was sharing, and I want you to hear it, um, she, when she first started, she's a young lady from California came before she was dating Jeff, before they got married, before they had their four kids. She used to, she was part of the worship team, she would sing like this, microphone down here. And they would keep telling her, put the microphone up to your mouth. And she'd raise it up a little bit, and then before long, she'd have it back down. 
And they say, put the microphone closer to your mouth. And she'd do it, and then she'd come back down. And there was a time that somebody out of the sound booth walked up on the platform and grabbed the mic and said, this is where you keep hold the mic right here. And in that moment, it was overwhelming to her, and she fell to pieces, began to cry. Can I just say, it's not that big of a deal to show somebody where to hold the mic. I'm not saying he did it in, a, in a, the right way, but it's not that big of a deal to show someone. Why would she be so emotional about that? And the reason you can't comprehend that is because you don't know the Chrissy before she came into that place of greater confidence in the Lord her God. And now she grabs the microphone and belts it out and releases something from heaven and the earth in every one of our hearts, and we're thankful for it. But in that day, there was some issue of insecurity that existed within her that produced a fear, thinking of an audience that would not allow her to step into a greater place of confidence. But the Lord, our God, is one God. And created in the image of God, there's a certainty and a confidence that's born where we start to step into a greater realm of the authority to which God has called us and the dominion that God desires to release among us. I'm calling to some people in this place who need to explore and experience and enjoy the presence and the power of God in the way we live our lives. The Lord our God is one God. You be you and trust the Lord your God. The greater fear of the Lord has its work to destroy the lesser fears, the unhealthy fears. Come on, let's all stand together. Because who you fear determines how you live. Who you fear determines how you live. How many of you know God is your provider, your source? Can I just say, he is your source. He is your provider. How many of you know that if you were to lose your job, that doesn't mean you lost your source because your job is not your source. But an unhealthy fear of the job as a source keeps you from embracing the healthier fear that God is actually your source. But when you embrace the healthier fear, then the unhealthy fear just has no hold in your life. Now listen carefully. Because we don't talk a lot about uh, giving so much anymore. We don't pass you know, buckets and that sort of thing. We want you to find giving stations in the back. We want you to give online. We want you to do that out of an attitude of worship to the Lord your God that says, I know God is my source. And if you don't tithe, if you don't embrace what the reality of truly giving as an expression of worship is all about, then it's because you've given yourself to an unhealthy fear. The lesser fear has taken control, and therefore you're not in a place of worship embracing the true fear, the greater fear of God. God is going to take care of whatever my needs are. I, I mean, I know COVID came and crazy stuff has happened, and we're all kind of scratching our heads, what's really next? I don't really know, but I do know who's in charge, and if there's one thing I'm not going to do, I'm not going to disconnect myself from the true source that I know is going to take care of me in this house. Do <laughs> you hear the confidence in my voice? The fear of the Lord is a strong confidence. And I, I think I've shared this analogy recently, but I just felt the Lord was asking me to share it as we kind of land into this place before him. It's this little boy and he's standing in the backyard and he's playing with his football and accidentally hits a plant, breaks the pot, falls off, breaks the pot. His mom had a bunch of plants out there and this was one of her favorite plants and 
And he knew when that thing fell and crashed, he knew, oh, no, I'm going to be in big trouble. But his sister happened to be sitting on the porch. She saw the whole thing. She went over. She helped him clean it all up. I mean, what an awesome sister that is. She said, listen, we're going to move these plants around. Mom will never even know that, that she's missing one unless someone tells her. And he said, oh, thank you. She said, uh, I was supposed to do the dishes tonight. I'd kind of like to do something else. Will you do the dishes? He said, I'm not going to do your dishes. She said, well, I might have to go talk to mom then about the plant you broke. I'll do the dishes. And the next day, there's certain chores they had to do around the house. And she said, I don't really feel like doing my chores today, so I need you to do your chores and do my chores. And he said, I'm not doing your chores. And what'd she say? I'm going to go talk to mom then. And he goes, okay, I'll do your chores. I mean, this goes on for days until finally this little boy goes to his mom, crying to his mom. says, I broke the plan. I'm so sorry. And the mom said to the boy, I knew you broke it. I was in the kitchen watching out the window and I began to hear how your sister was going to use it against you. So I felt like your consequence would simply be for you to feel buckling under that manipulative pressure. And I didn't know how long it was going to take you to come tell me what I already knew. But I'm glad that you came to tell me. Now your sister can no longer use that against you. Now I'm going to go have a conversation with your sister about this situation. And the Holy Spirit is saying, some of you are acting like God doesn't know the issues that exist in your life. And the enemy has been using them against you, getting you to do the chores and do the dishes and do all kinds of crazy stuff, wrapped up in emotion as if God's you know, not going to see it or know it. He already knows it. And when you bring it to him, he's just simply saying, I already knew it. I was waiting for you to come so the manipulative pressure of the enemy would no longer have a hold in your life. You are created in my image. One God, one guy, one girl. Be you. Stop being something you're not. Don't allow the enemy to have any entrance in your life. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, would you join me? We just surrender to the loving nature of our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Jesus. You came and opened the doorway to humanity to experience a level of deity that the oneness of God would be awakened within our lives and establish a convicted source of character, character born from a deep conviction that would keep us from becoming one person in one direction and one person in another direction. The Lord our God is one God and we receive, Lord, as we embrace that we're created in your image, we will be true to who you have designed us to be no matter what comes our way and increase, no matter what goes away and decrease, no matter what relationships come, no matter what relationships go, 
we will stand before the audience of our God with absolute certainty that we are the sons and daughters of God in the earth. We are the gateway through which the kingdom of God will have entrance into the planet. Let salvation begin to break forth in the land as a result. Let healing begin to break forth in the land. Let the gifts of the Spirit be activated and awakened in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray the kingdom of God would truly begin to break loose in the earth being stewarded by mature sons and daughters of God who will not be swayed with the current that comes as a result of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We'll stay true to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You came, you lived, you died on a cross to awaken us to true life, understanding the fear of God, helping us to find our way as the deepest sense of compass that exists within our lives. Thank you that you came to deliver us from our sin, to set us free into a place of liberation, that you would not only be our Savior, but every day you would be Lord of our lives. Come on, if you agree with that, say amen real loud. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to walk with you. Help us to serve you. Help us to know you. Lord, help us to grow in a deeper sense of maturity in who you've called us to be. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of the Lord. Well, I want to ask you this week, pray and ask God to reveal what is truly taking place in your heart. Paying attention to your reactions and responses. your action point. Pay attention to your reactions and your responses and ask the Holy Spirit to help you see what's going on in the deeper recesses of your existence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is where we go into worship. This is where I announce the prayer team is going to be available. But I just want us to pause for a moment. The spirit of prophecy is in the room. Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Spirit of prophecies in the room. So we just receive now, Lord. Give us ears to hear what you desire to reveal. We're hungry for more. Hungry for more. Thank you, Lord. I just speak a blessing over you, Eric. All that you and your family have walked through. I just declare the blessing of the Lord over you, sir. There's an amazing measure of grace that rests upon you. I see layers over you. Just layers of grace that will see you through every step of the way, through every circumstance. Just agree for the grace and the blessing of God over your mama. Thank God for that woman of God. I just bless Karen right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your amazing, amazing grace. In the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit. Bless you, Lord. Caleb, this is just a tremendous teaching gift that exists within you, and I'm calling to it in Jesus' mighty name. It's an amazing teaching gift. 
Um, and it's going to take you beyond your comfort zone, even of what you've known in terms of God's call in humanity. Uh, there are things that God's going to ask of you that you're going to think, it's oh, a little beyond my borders, but he's just going to take you beyond those borders. And uh, I see that God's given you this ability to bring something into such a human uh, perspective that people can just simply embrace with their minds, but it quickly digests into spiritual revelation because there's always a practical side of the spiritual and spiritual side of the practical. You're going to carry that just in a beautiful way, beautiful expression uh, in the teaching gift that God's given you. It's going to be really wonderful. I'm excited to see that unfold. In Jesus' name. We're all on a journey just trying to find our way. We are all on a journey just trying to find our way. I thank you for the voice of intercession that comes out of Rosalia. The voice of intercession that's born in a place of worship. The voice of intercession that's born in a place of preaching. In the name of Jesus, I just bless you, Rosalia. I declare the voice of intercession is being deepened in your life. You're a powerful prayer warrior. Powerful prayer warrior. Don't let anybody tell you to calm down. The worst thing you can do is calm down. Do not calm down. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. Be everything God's called you to be. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I, it, it is just amazing because we get in this moment and I start looking at every one of you and God has a good plan over every one of our lives. For I know the plans I have for you, every one of you, declares the Lord, Jeremiah 29, 11, plans to prosper you, bless you. I mean, I, I cannot look at any of you and not sense the conversation of the Lord right now as the spirit of prophecy just comes. It's amazing. Just the blessing of God that's shrouding every, every person in the room. I just, I just release... Uh, you guys are about to step into a place where there's just this magnetic pull of resources you know not of. The Lord is about to provide alignments and connections and relationships and resources to accomplish some things. Some of that, which is, uh, in fact, most of that actually exists within your heart. You've just not seen how it's going to happen. But it's more than that. There's, there are other elements of it, and God's going to bring. And I just think that you're stepping into an amazing uh, conclusion of this year. I just prophesy over the next three months specifically. You're going to watch and see, and you're going to, I believe you're going to come back to this word and say that, that that was what he was talking about. That's what God was revealing. It's resonating deep within you because it's, it's a conversation God is already having with you. And every one of us, there's this conversation that's going on. And prophecy is just coming into an awareness of what God's already been saying in a person's life. He's been trying to speak and reveal that and release that. And I just want to encourage you to find that place in the way you live your life. Get into your place of prayer regularly where you cultivate the conversation of the Lord. I'm going to have to stop looking at you. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to discern that we would learn what it is to walk in your presence as a way of life. Lord, we are commissioned by God to bring God's presence to real life in every realm of society, on every level of community. And I thank you that you, because of that treasure, 
the fear of the Lord unlocking that treasure in greater measure, because of that treasure, we as a family are going to begin to sense a greater awareness of the presence of God every day, every day in Jesus' mighty name.